Hey everybody, welcome to That Photography Podcast. I'm Bruce Moyle. And I'm Ed Jones. Um, we were just discussing just before we got on uh, the microphones about just different styles and techniques people use with um, your f-stop, your apertures, yeah. You know, shallow depth of field and all that sort of stuff. It's... It's one of those things I find when you start shooting and I think every person who's picked up a camera and looked and wanted to learn about it has gone with, how do I make those, you know, creamy backgrounds or how do I make it really sharp and, and everything like that. And you sort of go through phases of like, oh my God, I now know how to blow things out and make everything look, you know, out of focus, but sharp in this little area to the point where... And not everybody gets to this point where they go, how the hell do I get it sharp again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things, as I was saying, it's it's a tool in your toolkit. Yep. And I think, especially for me, coming from the wedding industry, you see it used a lot. Like, you can see it's... it's an, it goes in and out of fashion a bit, I think. Like yeah. It, the, people's styles change as well. Because back in the day, I suppose while there was people doing it with bulk and everything like that and and being creative in their um, aperture selection i could be talking out my ass here but i think there was a lot more of um quite deep depth of field particularly with film and um back in the film days you'd actually shoot with tripods yeah you know Uh, and the lens lenses weren't Oh, they were available in like F2 and stuff like that, but you probably, as a working pro, probably didn't have a lot of those lenses in your bag all the time. You'd stick to one style of lens, maybe. I don't know. I'm talking. Yeah, I don't know. It's. I know with wedding photographers, it is probably one of those ones that people, it's a very easy tool to learn. It's yeah. a very easy technique to learn to go, okay, I've, and especially as, I think we a lot of us do when you first get into something you go you go on a bit of a gear frenzy and you yeah. want the best so if you're a canon shooter you're getting your 51.2 you're getting your 85 1.2 all those sorts of things and you go i've got 1.2 on this 85 if i stop it if i set it at f1.2 and shoot i get this creamy bokeh background yeah. and and it looks all dreamy and so on and it's just a really easy technique to create something that initially looks all right but as you said getting sharpness out of it is one challenge because they're never, never even the sharp things are not sharp at that because no. it's not it's not the the sweet spot for the lens yeah and yeah it gives you separation but there are other tools to do that yeah and i think photographers well wedding photographers tend to go that's a really easy way at the, at the start especially as they get the nice lenses that can do it yeah and i know for me i'm i've definitely evolved evolving away from that and trying to just use that selectively here and there yeah, and not I, just sitting it. I think it's good. Like it's always a thing um, in events or anything like that. You use it. Either you got to use it because you don't have enough light. Yep. Like that's that's the and that's it. That's the reason these lenses were originally made like that fast, and then it became a creative thing. Oh, we can do the blur and stuff like that. But um, I think you've also got to think about the whole telling a story. Particularly yeah. if you're doing event work or, or weddings or anything like that. Not always. Like portraiture is a different thing altogether sometimes. Sometimes it works really well if it's shallow and sometimes you just want to emphasise a particular point. But, yeah, if in, your, in, in what you're talking about with weddings, like having everything out of focus except for that one element. Um, hard to tell a story. Hard to tell a story. And, and that's something I've been looking at more over the last sort of year or so and, and it has pushed me away from it because... Yeah, you can't tell a complete story. Um, and 
I don't want to sound too harsh, but it's it's kind of a lazy way of getting out of strong composition. I can understand that. I'm I don't want to offend anyone, but I think if it's used too much, like in certain circumstances, it's a really powerful compositional tool. Yep. But if you're at f one point two all day, then it's just being used. The only way that you can folk draw primary attention on your subject or a thing yep. is by having that as the only thing in focus. You're obviously not creatively using rule of thirds. You're not using lighting. You're not using light on shadow. Yep. You're not thinking outside that. And and I, yeah, I come from like a bit of like from a video background, cinematography background. I look at it like if you're telling a story and say you're using three frames, you know, the whole you know master, medium, and close up. You know, you have you need to have a, an initial frame which tells you where you are, what's yep. happening, and that, and then you can push in, and that that may be you know, having the blur in there or what, as necessary. Um, yeah, it's it's. I think for a lot of people, it become it's a production value thing. Like people will go, if I got that creamy background, it looks yeah really great. And like admittedly, we all have done it, and we all think yeah. stuff looks awesome in it. But there is more tools in there, and the the F one point two is a classic example um, of if you're only using your lens at its widest aperture, and you're moving quickly then you're going to have a lot of dud photos in the long run, yeah. depending on what your output is. If you're shooting only from Instagram, people will never probably notice that half your shit is out of focus, yeah. <laughs> as long as it's close. Yeah. Um, but if you're, if, you're, if you're actually intending to go to the next level and do prints and even bigger, you know, big stuff, you know, posters, you know, and upwards... If you've missed your focus and you've got the person's nose in or like the tip of their eyelashes and not their eyes, yep. it's not usable. Yeah. And even then, at f1.2, it's not at its sharpest. No. And, and yeah, your lenses are never that sharp at that point because you've got refraction and that yeah. within it. And you, like, okay, there are um, brands that are bringing out new lenses all the time which are sharper like um, I'm a big fan of the um, Sigma Art range the yep. 35 and the 50 at 1.4 they're really sharp for that at that aperture compared to any of the other brands yeah. out there really <clears throat> not that I've compared everybody I'd probably say Zeiss's stuff is better but um, it'd want to be at that price at that price it would be um, but I had the question yesterday I was at a, a, a local catch-up meet-up for coffee in that quick uh and um i just done a shoot on the weekend which you're gonna ask me about um and they were like how the hell did you get them that sharp like those images and i'm like i'm not shooting at f1.4 or f2 i'm shooting yeah. at f11 yeah you know and it's just knowing how light works and and that that i can blow the background out or drop it completely to darkness or whatever um, to still give me that compositional element, but it's really sharp. Yeah, and, and that's it. It's I think it's like I said, it's a lot start off in that area, and the people that you're probably talking to haven't progressed beyond that yet. Yep. Um, and because it's an easy, quick. Oh wow, look, f one point two, everything it wows people. Blurry, yeah, and it's it's got this. It straight away creates a feeling of depth, mm. but there are other techniques, and I think one of the things over the last probably 18 months I've been following it I don't I tend to keep 
fairly tunnel vision and not look at too many other people's work but there's always one or two that I'm drawing inspiration from and I'm yep. sort of and the guys that I've been looking at I found myself drawn to these different photographers images that I'd been looking at in the past and I suddenly realized there's almost nothing wide open in them all the shots that were the ones that I went I love that it was just the way they controlled light the way yep. they composed the frame um, and it might be lens choice they might have used excuse me <coughs> Might have pulled out like one's a Nikon shooter shooting this scene with a a fourteen mil lens, yep. and it's just a really strong frame. Like the 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 whole image, as you said, it tells a story, yep. and it's probably it looks like it's probably f eleven or something like that. F eight, f eleven. I guess yeah. I think the thing I'm sort of getting here is if you're, if you're listening to the show and you and you're still learning, or well, everybody's still learning, but if you want. Play with your lenses. Don't learn how to just shoot them shallow. Yeah. Like there, there's lenses work at all apertures. There's there, and those apertures are there for a reason, and you can and they're a big part of your creative tool. Yep. Um, if you're always shooting at f one point four on your fifty, um, because when you got it, I paid all this money for an f one point four. Yeah, yeah. Go back and look at it five six. Look at it f eleven. You know, and see what you can do with it that way. Like um, macro photography is a really good example. Um, if you shoot at f, say two point eight, everything is so the slither of depth yeah. of field is insane. Yeah. So you want to shoot at f eleven to try and get as much of, well, say, flower insect in focus as possible. But it's still going to be really small if you're that close to it. So, you know, you could try and see what happens when you shoot it at F22, if it goes that far, or 32, or whatever. Yep. And then you'll start seeing how soft it gets again with the refraction. You know, learn your lenses, learn that sweet spot within it, because then you've got an ability to work with it. Yep. Um, yeah. I think, like, for me, from my, my sort of standpoint, like talking to the wedding photographers out there, is thinking about what are you actually trying to do? Are you just trying to create a heap of beautiful images like that go wow 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 each individual one or are you trying to tell a story yeah. and I think for a wedding photography that's what it's really about is telling a story with beautiful images and you want some hero shots through that yep. but you want to have a story and if everything's just a, if it's a standalone shot of a ring at f1.2 or the shoes at f1.2 or the portrait at f1.2 it's it's a set of images sure but does it actually tell a story do those images sort of lead into each other are there other elements yeah. in there to help tie and connect and because I mean looking at wedding photography my goal is to create a beautiful album for my clients yep and if that album is just a series of images then it becomes a bit like a catalogue yeah that's a good point yeah whereas where, if, where, look, you haven't shown the venue because everything's out of focus except for the bride and groom yep um you, you shoot the wedding rings, but it's everything out of it's blurred, so you only see like the, you know, part of the diamond or something like that. You, you, you need- take a photo of the bride in the dress in the room she's getting ready. She's in focus, but mum behind her is out of, gone. who's yeah. starting to cry is gone because you're at f one point two. Whereas if you're f eight, you're going to pull that in. You're going to be able to tell that story. So, I think you've got to if you're getting stepping away from that tool you've got to be more creative with your composition yep and think about framing think about where the light's coming from more where the shadows are where the light is it does add to the level of complexity but i mean for me that's half the fun is yeah is leveling up regularly yeah, exactly 
Yeah, and, <clears throat> and I'm not, we're not saying that shooting shallow is a bad thing. It's just it's part of the tool It's set. got its place. It's not the only yeah. tool in the, in the kit. Yeah. Yeah, and um, when I shoot a lot of my portraits, I'll usually shoot, like in studio particularly, I'll shoot at like F11 to get that really nice crisp look. Yep. And then I might do a few at F1.4 or something like that just to emphasize the eyes or something like yeah, that. But, yeah. you know, the I, I mix it up. Like I, I want to try different things. Um, so you know, I suppose for the listeners out there, get your camera and, and, and lenses and play with them and don't just look at everything in, in one particular aperture. Like Yeah, and if you're finding you're struggling to put the viewer's attention on that subject at f8 think about why because it's easy then to go well it's just easier if i shoot if i go back to f1.2 bruce is the only thing people are going to look at because he's the only thing in focus yep but then go well if i'm not how else can i pull attention yeah it's a challenge i mean for this year for me i'm spending a lot i'm putting a lot of effort into learning more about you I, i flashes in my bag all the time just starting playing with continuous light seeing what i can <laughs> do with that it's fun um some of the guys that i, I absolutely love their work they're big use of continuous lights yep. and now with the leds out there there's a whole different range that you can get yep and yeah it's it's fun it's a challenge it's, it requires a little bit of my way of thinking about natural light it requires a bit of my way about thinking about flash yeah you're and, still and having to balance yeah, multiple you, light sources well yeah in in are you talking about just we're either shooting continuous or flash or are you mixing at the moment just continuous yeah. i i'm going to keep it simple yeah i'm a simple <laughs> creature Fair um enough. a flash has its place and i know where i use that in the day yep. but there's some shots like i was just scouting a venue um on the way here looking at it looking at this room with this beautiful window light coming in and thinking how and falling on this little sort of chaise, thinking how awesome would that be for a bride for a shot of the bride? And then I just thought, well, but if the sun's not there and if it's overcast, and I thought, that's where I can pull out my continuous light. I could use a flash, yep. but the the light that I've got will just mimic that window light so perfectly that I can go, oh, if there's no sun there, I can just have my assistant hold a, the the light there. And I can get the same effect. So starting to think about where I can use it and and help to exaggerate or amplify the existing lighting that when you walk in a room, you go, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that, that's that's the fun of it. I, I, once you get used to your camera gear and you get, you know, you start, they're like paintbrushes to me, yep. lenses and stuff like that then yeah then you start moving into lighting and and i've said it before i was always a video guy who was doing stills to learn more about his camera and then i was never going to buy anything which actually uh would only work with stills only like i had to work for video otherwise i wasn't going to buy it and then i saw some flash photography off camera flash and it was all downhill from there (laughs) Um, yeah but yeah it's uh i i love the challenge of the lighting now of changing it up and that and and i think the catch for me is with this sort of stuff is do experimenting but also making sure i don't just keep changing up for the sake of changing yeah you need to keep practicing the same techniques as well so i know it's like 80 percent the same and 20% experimental. It's got to be something like that, that ratio. 
Um, otherwise, I'm not going to um, progress forward, but I'm also not going to master what I've already started. Yep. Yep. Definitely. I'm, I've sort of, I've become a bit of a circle on this because I, as soon as I got into photography, I just, I loved strobe. I loved speed lights and that. And yep. I was shooting Canon and the systems were all not very mature and worked really well. So I could shoot TTL, I could do off-camera flash and played around a lot with that and used that a lot for my first sort of couple of years. Yep. Then I went across the Fuji system and I love the Fuji cameras. I love the files. I love the ergonomics of them that just fits mm. with me. It feels like my old Canon film camera. But the flash system up to date has been Pretty archaic. They're finally coming out with some decent flashes, so it's sort that'll of, that'll work its way back into my workflow. But I think like Sony and <clears throat> Can, uh, not Canon, um, Fuji and, <clears throat> and Pentax and that have been very much trying to get some market share with their cameras, but yeah. but they're not. Their accessory range is usually, if anything, they want to get more lenses out than anything else, yeah. and so strobing is direct not, sales. Yeah, strobing has not been a big feature. No. And because the um, third-party manufacturers are not um, supporting them heavily, like no. they're starting to with Sony because Sony's just winning people over left, right, and center with their A7 series. Um, yeah, it's 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 difficult. Like as you say, you go you go with not the popular brands per se, the Nikon or the Canon. You can you can sort of find yourself having to being a bit creative with. Yeah, I just I ended up just using manual triggers and manual flashes and not using them as much as I used to because it just wasn't as quick and easy to use. Um, That said, the new ones coming out soon, they're still probably on par with Nikon four years ago. So they've got TTL, but there's no radio trigger system for them. So it's all via infrared, um, which is great. Or it's awesome at weddings when all the guests are popping their flashes if you don't have a unplugged wedding. So you're about Crap. to take that photo and you're just sort of framing it, waiting for the moment. Someone takes a snap, pop, triggers your lights to fire. Got to wait for recycle. Got to wait for it to recycle <laughs> and you've missed the moment. So that's something I'm not looking forward to with that. Um, and I wish Fuji would actually play with a radio transmitter company to make a TTL system. There are plenty of companies out there that do it. Yeah, there are a lot now. Um, but they're not at this stage. There's his gripe for the day. Yeah, that's my gripe for the day. I love my Fujis, but they, the company needs to learn to play well with others. Yeah. Well, well I think we'll leave it here for this yeah. show. Um, yeah. Um, get out there, look at your cameras, look, look at how to use your lenses in more creative ways than just your... Yeah, get out of your comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. That'll be, and yeah, see how you go with it. Um, I was Bruce Moyle. You can find me at um, Joffrey Street Productions um, or B Moyle on Instagram. And I'm Ed Jones. You can find me at edjonesphotography.com or um, edjphotog on Instagram. Mm-hmm.